from Insane Throttle Motorcycle Madhouse Radio 24-7 and nothing but the best in 80s till today rock and metal baby and here's an added bonus you can now listen to Motorcycle Madhouse Morning Show with Hollywood and China now live on the air go to MotorcycleMadhouse.com and bookmark the radio station and get down with the king of biker radio rock on oh yeah baby we're going live 24 7 over on motorcyclemadhouse.com it is live right now make sure you guys and gals bookmark it baby uh today later on in the show we're gonna have john lavia he is a good friend of this show and he does a lot of interviews with former gangsters and stuff. Serious and Silliness is his channel. That's what it is called. And really good guy, man. I hope you guys uh, go over there. If my moderators can go catch his uh, YouTube channel's uh, URL and put it in the chat box, that would be great for him. And, of course, I got my Grateful Dead uh, lookalike here, Jerry Garcia. Marco from Marco's Motorcycle Nation. What's up, buddy? Of all the, I, I wear head, I have probably like forty different headbands. The one that's almost just black is the one you refer to. It's so funny. I mean, it's just, a, <laughs> I mean, it's not even. I don't even think there's a like a design on it, but uh, you like it, huh? Yeah, I kind of like it. Hey, you work at a uh, radio station, right? As a online morning show host. Not online. I'm actually on the radio, dude. Yeah, you're on the. Oh, what are you trying to do? You're the one that played your promo at the beginning of the thing, man. I don't have a promo about my radio show, but you know, whatever. That's fine, bro. If they want to pay me, I can put it on for them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's also actually online. So theoretically, you're correct. Yes. Why? Is there something? Is that bad? No, man. I, I'm just, you know, introducing who you are and all the yeah. good stuff in case they didn't know. And uh, what do you think? We were chatting with our guests, beyond, you know, off outline. What are you thinking of them so far, man? Dude, it took me two minutes to ask him to start uh, to do it. I want to do a show with him because I'm Italian anyway. So obviously the stuff that he talks about is it's sort of right up my alley anyway. It's sort of I grew up in that sort of, a, you know, not not I wasn't in a crime family, but I certainly was in D.C. and, my, and, uh, and you know, being Italian and stuff like that. It's kind of cool to, to hear about. But he's he's super fascinating, super smart. And like I said, it took me two minutes to be like, bro, we should do a show together on my channel. So I'm going to try to work that out. Everybody, man. I don't care, dude. I'm crazy. I do them all. Hey, now my question is, and I'll ask him this. See, uh, my family's from Naples, okay? Are you Sicilian? Yeah. You are Sicilian. Yeah, yeah. My uh, yeah, my family's from a little I, town called Femininese. It's, uh, you know where if Italy's the boot, right? Yeah. And wherever the tip of the boot is getting ready to kick the island, that's right near where my family's from. Right near where your family, so you're Sicilian. Uh, you know, it's all right. I still like you. You know, I'm more of a <laughs> It's all right, man. It's all right. Some stuff to discuss with John has to do with some of the gangsters that he has interviewed, and he's also going to be doing a kind of a change of format where that's what he's going to get into. And yeah. I thought that was a hell of an ideal. Dude, I told you, it took me two minutes to be like, bro, we got to do we got to do something together. I love it, man. I'm the same way. So I'm going to try to steal them from you. I know you got a little salty backstage when I started talking to him about uh, maybe coming on my show. So, no, you know, John's a friend of mine. And, you know, as long as you're not trying to take showers with him, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can promise you that. <laughs> but you know what? You better watch out, man, because that could be misconstrued out there. You know what I oh. mean? The way yes. that we talk and stuff and uh, what we do. Anyway, we're busted, Marco. We're the, busted. The jig is up, man. It's over. The jig is up. See, I, I, I had a, a hard time with that. I was like, how is the jig up when everybody knew that it actually mattered, but yeah. everybody knew in the scene? You know, I, I debated, first of all, I debated doing this show because uh, as we uh, iterated a little earlier, so being Italian, I'm, you know, I might have a little bit of a temper. Maybe I, I can't control my, it takes me a while to step back and to be whatever. And at first, listen, I've been on the radio since I was 16. I've had people say the craziest things. I've had people try to stalk me. I've had haters. So I'm used to it. And I literally put to somebody was 
So, yeah, did you see that video? I got a bunch of texts. I'm like, bro, it is, and, I, and I'm dead serious about this. A lot of people would say they don't give a, you know what, about whatever. I truly, it, I put on there, this is number 49 on my list today of stuff that I'm dealing with. That Seriously, and it hasn't even risen above 40. So, you know, but we'll address it here uh, because somebody is going to be, uh, you know, somebody's going to be doing whatever they're doing, and they think they have some kind of a scoop, which you're right. They don't have because everybody that needed to know about us knows about us. You and I have been on phone calls together uh, with people that, you know, we just know. People know that that need to know. So whatever. It is what it is. We'll, you know, I'm hoping we'll get it out today, and it'll be over with, and I'll be done with this conversation. So, Well, that's the last time I'm talking about it because I'm always the one who believed you don't put your personal stuff on the Internet. You just don't do that. It's not like it's a secret or scandalous thing. It's always been you don't put that shit on the Internet. And I'm I'm a hardcore believer in that type of stuff is you just don't do that because you know what? Why are what a lot of people don't understand? And you've been doing this. What's in 16 years old uh, with the radio is we got an on air personality and then we got our personal stuff. Right. And we know how to keep them separated, if you will. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. Am I right? Oh, 100 percent, man. I mean, not only is it uh, it's a different persona, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, you you know, now normally on the radio, they're like, oh, you're kind of like you you are on the radio in real life. And I, I do put a lot of stuff on the radio is a little bit more personal. You're doing longer sets or whatever. And you're you're talking about stuff, your kid or whatever. So there is that element to it. But. Dude, it is it is night and day when this stuff goes off, man. I, you know, I'm just a regular dude that loves motorcycles that does stuff. It's just, it, you know, so it is. Yeah, it is. It's a little, you know, but listen, I, it's not like I'm, you know, some massive superstar. So it's it is. I just get a little a little tiny sliver of it. But every time it comes, I I feel sorry for people that are super famous, like you know, whoever name whatever superstar you want to name, just just because the I have zero patience to deal with the BS of what people say what they do, how they say it. And, and again, with this whole video, it's like they, this guy thinks he's coming up with some crazy thing. Bro, it's nothing. It's literally nothing, but whatever. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about it because, you know, I promised that uh, we would, and I always give the audience. But, uh, you know, one of the things they said in that video was, you know, these guys are talking about other club business, which are, it's in the media already. And, one th- and that's another thing they don't understand is the two tefers. This is a job. I'm way different off the air than I am on air. And I do talk with many of them about the stories that go on. The biggest complaint ever is, and they'll tell you this themselves if you go to your bosses and people know who I'm talking to, is the opinion segments. And they don't like opinion segments. They don't, you know, they, they'll be the first ones to say, Hey, yeah, we fucked up. It was in the news. Am I right or wrong? Oh, hundred percent. Right. But it's the ones, the, you know, the opinion stuff they hate. Uh, so we don't do much of that type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm a member. I don't talk about it. Just like, you know what? And another thing was about the making the money off of the club stuff. If I wanted to become rich and have a lot of subscribers, <laughs> I would have been the first one to say, yep, I'm a diamond. Yep. Yeah. I'm a one percenter because you know what? That's what draws people oh, to these. There's plenty of them out there. It's plenty but of them out on YouTube right now doing that. That's one thing I never believed in. It was never talking about the club, any of that stuff. And this would probably blow your damn mind. Even if our club was in the news, I'd be reporting on it because that's my job to do that. Yeah, and I would be too. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I would because it's news. So am I embarrassed of where I'm at? Fuck no. A lot of work went into it. A lot of good freaking people. A lot of stand up, uh, you know, they know what honor and loyalty is, you know, uh, you know, unlike a little rascal out there who's a bitch, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're making, uh, uh, what is it, uh, a video and you don't want to tell people who you are, 
You're yeah. a bitch. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna address the fucking irony of what's going on here for everybody that can't put it together. So yeah, I 100 percent agree with you so far. I mean, it is it is what it is. Unfortunately, I hate that term, but yeah. Go so, ahead. Um, you to take it from there. Well, obviously, no. So obviously, a lot of my stuff. But if you haven't seen the video, I don't know. I don't even know where it exists. I got it texted me by by 40, 50 people. The thing that's funny to me, my whole life has been in front of everybody. Like I, I have been on the radio since I was in tenth grade. So everything I've done, I've done, I've in, I'm out. I'm always constantly, you know, I'm. It's out there. I, I hide nothing. It's so funny to be like, oh, you're. I didn't. I didn't hide jack. And so to for this person to think that uh, that they've got something here, it's so hysterical to me. If you if you want to see real irony, I think the I, I got to pull it. The name of the video is what? Hold on, I got to get it because I want to make sure I'm 100 percent correct. And, uh, and did you know? Oh, what the, you, do you remember something? <laughs> what's that? Yeah, oh yeah, because that that'll be a big you'd you love. Uh, but uh, so let me just get the actual name of the video so I can. Somebody texted to me here, but now I can't find it. So regardless, I mean it is. You know, here we go. Exposing the secret biker agenda, unmasking the double lives of two neutral content creators. That's all I can see on the thing. So, number one, that entire video title was written by AI. I can just tell it's written by AI because I use ChatGPT in my entire radio life, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Number two, the, the, the voice you hear on there is computer generated. So here's the irony of how stupid this person is who put this in. Whoever put this out is the biggest pussy I've ever seen in my entire life. They have a, a thing exposing the secret, and they just started this YouTube channel two days ago to secretly put no voice and no, no thing down to say that we're doing it. The, the irony of this video is so dumb, it's hysterical to me. So he's saying we're doing something by being super secretive, and here it's computer-generated, it's computer-AI-voiced, uh, and it's a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, basically uh, dry snitching. Uh, all of the things that it's saying it's doing, it literally is. It couldn't be funnier to me, actually. The the irony of how dumb this person is. Whoever whoever did this is honestly, I would love to find out not to not to see just to, to see to see the IQ level of about a six or a seven uh, of the person that decided to spend all day doing this. So just well, to, uh, I, okay. I want to talk to him because I'd like to get some of that. I you know see where you got the AI uh, voiceover and stuff. That would have been good for me. <laughs> it's somebody that took a lot of their life to put this out. So somebody's butt hurt. We we know, you know, things here. And here's the other thing about the 1% world. We know already. We know. We we know who's going on. We I mean, I'm not going to put it out here. We know. I mean, it's, it's, it's you can't do anything in, the, in this day and age without somebody knowing somebody and giving you information. It's just that that's the way it is. So. That's number one. Well, I and remember, uh, you know, bringing you on a phone call a while back with, uh, uh, let's just say, uh, somebody uh, that was a big person, okay? Let's just put it that way. And it was funny when we were talking, and he said, yeah, Marco, we know you're this. Mm -hmm. And you were, uh, uh, tell them about that experience. Let's give these people what they want, you know? Go ahead. Yeah. What you don't realize is that Hollywood and I, on a daily basis, talk to other clubs will call us to, to try to confirm or deny or do whatever to be in communication. They never want to be on, which is why we always say, you know, and Hollywood is way better at it, admittedly, than I am of saying, look, this is not the club's perspective. The club never has a voice. But we talk to anyone you can imagine in any position. And this particular person knew who I was, what club I was affiliated with, what I was doing how I did it. They know they all know. I mean, it's not, a, it's only a secret to the dumb people watching the video that think that there's a story. That's the, the funniest thing about this video is it's for everybody else that, that does whatever. So that's why it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. So that mm. is a comical thing that, that people, if you think you're letting other people know, they already know it's already, and listen, if you think my integrity as a, I've been in the media for a long time, my integrity and just like you, and, and we'll test it if anything ever comes out, but if something comes out with somebody that I'm affiliated with or something I'm involved in, I'm reporting it if it's in the news. So if it's written in the news, we'll do it in biker news. It doesn't matter who it happens to, why it happens, what the excuse is. So to think that you're, we have some sort of an agenda for me personally, and I know you because you and I are friends, it's never going to happen. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to omit things or go at somebody because whatever. I love the club life. I love the one percent of world. I like all clubs actually. I and and I always say I want all clubs to not have guys go to jail. I would have all clubs not to have killings. I want all clubs to 
to get off on the lightest thing and to stop. I don't really like the government is who I don't like. And so uh, for me, it's never been about trying to get back at somebody. And we, you know, we've had those conversations with those people that matter. Hey man, it's, it is what it is. So uh, it, to me, it's just comical. It's fun. I would love to go through some of the comments in the house right now, but I'm not going to say who it is. It's cunt fuck, but uh, go ahead. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the person that did this isn't man enough to come on and they have to make a fake profile. And it's funny because I know people that have left messages because I saw some of the messages on the video like, hey, man, mind your business. Those were deleted and only the ones that they, they've, they've had people write uh, have stayed up. So whatever, dude, whoever's doing this is a big, the biggest pussy in the world. They're scared. They're a little bitch. They're all, they're hiding behind the facade of what they're doing, and they're literally doing what they're accusing you and I of doing. But just for me personally, let me just address the few things that happened. I was in another club before the current club that I'm in. Everyone knows it. It's It's been out. They actually got the picture of my son's gender reveal that was on my ex-old lady's Facebook page that was actually hidden because she has a new boyfriend. This is how this is how much time and effort was put in this video. They had to scour thousands of, of pictures that, aren't even on my page to figure out whatever to put out there on what people know. The club that previously we're talking about had over 2000 and some odd members. They all know me. I was, I was enough long enough to know that I was in that club. So no one was hiding it. Everyone knows. And in fact, if you go back to the first video we did, it was all in the chat. So you're not exposing anything. It's all right out there. And you know what? I tried to be in this club. I tried to make a difference. I worked my way up and I, and they don't tell you jack shit when you prospect. And when you're hanging around and when you finally learn the inner workings, you're already patched in. And while I was patched in, I made an oath and I stayed there as long as I possibly could stay to try to change things. And you know what? It's exactly what everybody says about it is. And at the end of the day, they throw people out like me that start to speak against how dumb it is and how we need to change stuff and how this isn't working. And eventually that's what happened. So I left and I found the current club I'm in, which is the one I should have been in my entire life. It's like a marriage. You've been married before, right, Hollywood? So so sometimes you have a cunt of a girlfriend and you don't really do it and you're lucky you didn't get married. And then you find the girl of your dreams, which is what's happened here. I have total respect for the the club I'm in and for our boss. And it's, to me, it's, it's perfect. And I've never ever run away from that. So for somebody to try to put that out, like that's something having to do what they did to go into my ex-girlfriend's page, to grab a picture, to try to expose something that to me is that's just slimy. It's snitchy, slimy BS, but whatever you did that and you hid behind your little secret. So that's what you do. Number two, uh, in this whole in this whole deal that I have to we have to deal with now is uh, is obviously being uh, you know oh my God he's a one percenter oh yeah I'm doing one percent news should a guy in a riding club do one percent news that's like saying Tucker Carlson's a a conservative can you believe he's doing conservative news who else would you want to do biker news except somebody that lives the lifestyle that's actually in the lifestyle it makes yeah, no sense to me that, one thing uh, hold your thought there that most people don't know is all those biker news sites you see out there are ran by diamonds and big ones at that. The oldest biker news site is ran by a major. Go ahead. So the point is, would it makes for somebody to be like, this is so shocking. It's just so dumb. It's so dumb that we have to spend the first, what, 20, 18 minutes of our show defending somebody that is a pussy that can't come on in real life and and debate whatever and say whatever they're going to say they have to sneak a thing and then accuse us it's it's exactly what the democrats and and, and normally do they accuse you of doing exactly what they're doing and everyone sees right through it and they all know that you're just a little bitch. It's totally fine. If I ever find out who it is, we'll have a conversation. I would love to have a conversation. The person that did it is so dumb. They couldn't have a conversation with us because like I told you, the irony of how stupid they are to post something about being secretive and total secret is a joke, actually. So, uh, but you know, it is what they want to live behind their little their little video. That's fine. The one picture that they put up with you, and I know how to uh, you know do the propaganda and shit like that. You work. That's why I asked you earlier. You're a radio station uh, DJ, so yeah. you have to be out in the public, and you also have to do. Uh, live remotes. I bet they don't know what that is. Or <laughs> appearances. Yeah, you got to sign autographs and stuff like that. And they threw a picture of you with a cop. <laughs> so is I just had this this conversation with a, a dear friend of mine who's, you know, we have difference of opinion, and that's what I love about being in our brotherhood. Uh, so I, in my personal, my the Marco Nation, you can go, it's live on Facebook. It's not hidden anywhere. It's my personal public figure page. 
I think I have over 10,000 pictures of people that have come to the radio station. This can include doctors, lawyers, uh, people for adoption, people coming in to pimp their new restaurants. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I think that what they pulled is one where police officers came in for, uh, I think it was for Memorial Day safety, and they just wanted to remind everybody to be safe. And they took that picture and put it on there. The funny thing is, I'll throw it out there. Of the 10,000 people that I've taken pictures with anonymously in my studio that I have no idea who they, who knows how many pedophiles, this, that. I don't have any idea who these people are. I didn't invite them into the radio station. I just take a picture with them because they're there pipping their thing and going out and doing whatever. So it, it's so dumb. To, to, that's the one they picked. Again, this person spent eight hours probably of their day searching for pictures. They didn't use any of the other 10,000 pictures. They found one with a cop to put it on there, and this is the type of bitch move that this person is. Whoever did this video is a bitch, and that's what bitches do, a little snitch bitch. So, you know, they, they find what makes their little agenda, and they put it on there, and then they hide behind a facade. So, you know, they are what they are. They'll never come out because they're scared to death of uh, you know of the real world but whatever so that's what happened i've taken thousands of pictures if we want to go through my we'll go live on my facebook page right now and we'll go through all of them together if you really want to be bored to death it it is what it is but to me it's just it's just annoying it's an annoyance this person is is now winning because i'm talking about how annoying they are and whatever they're doing but again they didn't do anything to me they didn't expose jack shit i'm going to do my video channel i'm going to be like i say on my channel all the time i'm going to be accurate I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be balanced. I'm going to tell both sides of the story. And every once in a while, I do have an opinion piece. And if you don't like it, I'm a one. I don't give a shit. Don't look at my channel. Unsubscribe. Who cares? I don't care about you. So if you have a big problem with it, there's a million other YouTube channels you can go look at. Go look at all of them. Well, there you go. We're going to bring in our guest for today. Well, at least he got like 20 minutes of fame instead of 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on here. You there? I'm here. What the fuck happened? Holy shit. Oh, you <laughs> got John. Serious and silliness is in here right now, and this is like the silliness part. Yeah. Uh, but this is our guest, John LaVia, and uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff today. Uh, that way we to get Marco's blood pressure to uh, calm down. You know I what, think, man? It, Whatever. It is what it is. I don't <laughs> hey, you're going to have to take a Xanax or something. No. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's so dumb. It's just a dumb problem. You know what I mean? It's like one of these things where like, you know, dude, I, I don't, it's like I don't have any energy for the dumbness, the dumbness of some people. But, well, that's uh, right. Yeah. That's right, Cody. You know, my affiliation's never been a secret with the people that know. And, uh, like I said earlier, for those people that uh, complain about this one or that one, even if our club got in the news, I'd be covering this shit. That's only fair. And, you Me know, I'm proud, I'm proud to be where the fuck I'm at and, you know, with a lot of good guys out there. So, you know, expose away. And next thing you know, if you want my pecker size, just let me know so you can put that in the video that I got a small dick. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah. Anyway, John, the headline right there. That's a new headline you just gave. Well, that's a small dick. Well, I could have told you that. Uh, <laughs> see, John, you're in uh, the the creator sphere, and you've been doing it a little longer than Marco has, so you understand where the haters come from and all that kind of stuff. And one of the biggest things I remember you asking me is, "Hey, man, uh, what would you do?" Me, I like addressing stuff head on. I don't like lying to, you know, my people out there that watch me. And it's better to get it from me than for some punk ass shit like this. Yeah, there, I never wanted to be like one of those podcasts, YouTubers that that dwelled on gossip and drama. <clears throat> but sometimes you have to address things. Something happens. Somebody says something, or somebody does something, and you just gotta you gotta nip it in the bud. And you know, I ha I've had to do it twice outside of inside of almost three years which is really not that big of a deal but both times i didn't receive a response because uh i just think i did it actually one was with your help hollywood uh i mm. think i did it i think i did it pretty uh pretty well uh where i, I just shut them down but other than that what's happening guys what are you doing not much man tell them about your podcast man you got 200 on live right now we're All talking right. today baby all right, so I have a podcast, a YouTube channel. It's called Serious and Silliness Outcasts. 
And on that channel, I pretty much interview or talk about anybody doesn't, that doesn't fit well into, into society. So I actually had Hollywood on. And, uh, <laughs> had Hollywood and I, with a small dick on, yeah. <laughs> and I've had a couple other uh, guys who have podcasts like you, um, uh, Danny Delo, uh, I had uh, Mooch on. But what really blows up is the Italian mafia stuff. And I've had uh, plenty of people on from that were former mafia figures or made members of the mafia or associates. And they tell great stories. And at the same time, I grew up in Bentonhurst, Brooklyn, during a time where it was that neighborhood was entrenched in, in mafia. So it was relatively easy for me at the beginning to get one of the interviews, which was with Larry Mazza, because he was from the same neighborhood as me. So as soon as I contacted him, I said, yeah, I'm from the same neighborhood. I come from 19th Avenue and 61st. He was like, no problem. I'll come on. No big deal. And he was actually a made member in the Colombo crime family. And then from there, I was able to, you know, make other contacts and so on and so forth and get a few other people on. But he, he was one of the most interesting guys. And the other one, which was really interesting, was Rita Gigante, who was the daughter of Vinny the Chin Gigante, who was the former boss of the Genovese crime family during the time when the Genovese crime family was probably the most powerful crime family in the country, possibly on the planet. Now, one of the things that we talked about behind uh, in the green room is how even the cynic, see, I call them the syndicate or the outfit, but they used to be so secretive and you compared it to MCs, which used to be, you know, the same way. But now with technology, it's become so different where you even brought up that a lot of the families have no kill orders now. What's that all about? Yes. Yeah, so uh, things like uh, drugs and killing brings a lot of heat on these guys. So they try to, you know, the Italian mafia in New York City, I really can't speak for Chicago or Philadelphia, although it's probably the same. I don't know, mafia. man. I don't know. We got better pizza, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> the Italian mafia in New York City is a shell of what it used to be. And for the for the people that are still active in that world, they're trying to save it. So what they do is they don't go after snitches. Uh, so these guys that come out after turning state's evidence and start podcasts, they'll leave that alone. They have, from what I, from what I understand, they have a no-kill law, so, uh, so no heat's drawn. They try to stay away from the drug thing. They try to do more like insurance stuff, uh, blue collar crimes, like you know, uh, you know, having their fingers in like uh, you know union and unions and rackets, and then they try to do like internet scams and things like that to try and stay under the radar. Some some families are really good at staying under the radar, like the Genovese and the Lucchese's, but some of them are just a, just a fucking shit show, like the Bananos, <laughs> the Bananos, the Columbos. Those two are the worst, and even. And even the Gambinos, but for the most part, the Bananas and the Columbos are uh, they're just a disaster. It's just a shit show. What so happened? You, well, go ahead, Marco. You got. Oh, me. I was just going to say, do you find it hard? Obviously, being the, especially the genre there that we're in and uh, the, the space that we occupy, and also you, obviously the the you know, snitches get stitches, all that stuff. So, do you find it hard to have people come on your podcast and to even talk, even if they're trying to, you know, like remove all doubt of identities and all that jazz? No, they, the only people that I haven't been able to get on um, were people that think they're better than what they are, which was only one, and people that want to get paid a lot of money. And <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not value-tainment. You know, I don't have 20, you know, 2.5 million subscribers, so you know, I don't really mm -hmm. have thousands of dollars to pay them. But when they do come on, they spill their guts. They talk about you know, um, whatever it is. There, there is no repercussion there was no circumstances any longer like there was back in the day because they some guys literally turned state's evidence got out of prison and moved right back into the neighborhood they were they were living in before oh my that. god yeah it's just not it's just they, they are they whatever is left they are not going to waste their time with somebody like that because it's just going to bring heat it's going to stop money they're going to feds surveillance and dna is everywhere it's not like it was in back in the day so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not in that world. This is all from interviews I gather, research I do, other podcasts that I talk to that also do research. How, how really strict can you make the guidelines if you don't have to fear for your life? Um, and, um, you know, you could just, you know, turn state's evidence once you get arrested. I, 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 you know, 
How do, uh, you know, I've seen some of the, I really like watching Sammy the Bull over on his uh, channel. Yeah. And we're, we'll go through what happened with him. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like the Italians are always worried about the Russians and Eastern Europeans. What makes them different than the American? Well, I think they have more of a secret society. They're, they're, well, I don't know, you know, nobody really knows the breakdown of how the Eastern Europeans, the Russians, the Chechnyans, the Ukrainians really are broken down. Like everybody knows how the Italian operation works. Nobody really knows about the, how the Russian works, uh, the Russians work. Um, and they're very, very quiet. And from what I understand, they fly under the radar much better. And the feds seem to like have a hard on for the Italians. You know, which which would only lead me to believe that I think the I think, and this is just hearsay, it's just from an educational opinion. I think the Russians or the Eastern Europeans probably have a stronghold on um you know, they probably have they probably have more money and able to corrupt more because they don't never come up in the media. They never come up, uh, you know, with law enforcement, you know. So that, it's probably what the Italians were able to do in the 1940s, 50s, 60s. That's the only thing that would make sense, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you arrest two assholes from, from Staten Island that, you know, that were pushing numbers or pushing money on the street. And it makes headlines, you know, Gambino family associate gets arrested for, oh, yeah. you know, loan sharking and so on and so forth. And, and that's what happens in the biker stuff. If one of the bigger clubs do something that's always in the news, you know, we called uh, in the neighborhood FBI forever bother Italians. Yeah. I think the FBI actually made the old neighborhoods worse by taking the guys out. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about that. I mean, you could, I had this discussion. I had, I had Larry Maz on the people that I've had on that came on, and I didn't have to pay. There were some people that I had to pay, which, which sucks, but it is what it is. The people that have come on and that we've, we still have a good relationship till this day. So Larry Mazza has become a friend. Uh, I have the utmost respect for him. We can get into his story because that was a crazy story. Uh, Frankie Steele, which was an associate of the Columbos, and Hootie Russo, who was, a, who was a Gambino associate. Those three guys came on. We actually discussed... And the title of the video was, Were the Neighborhood Safer with the Mafia present in it? And we went back and forth, you know, and we, I had to play devil's advocate. Because, of course, I agree that the Mafia had some kind of, like, code and, and whatnot to protect the neighborhood. But, you know, at the same time, I played devil's advocate. There was a lot of murder. There were a lot of beatings. There were a lot of drugs. You know, I remember there was a, a girl that lived but, across the street. From, go ahead. I'm sorry. But, were, but were they civilians? Usually when the... Uh, outfitter syndicate hits it they hit the underworld they don't hit normal daily joes yeah 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 but sometimes uh from i sometimes it poured out into the street you know we could talk about i you know i lived in bensonhurst and we could talk about the um the colombo war in the early 90s and uh you know it poured out into the street and these collateral damage these were drive-by killings and so on and so forth and listen i you know but the thing is like look you see the crime going up now, and you see the fact that people don't feel like they have a place to go to, to be safe. So, like, you know, uh, who is the, the fighter that had his kid molested in daycare, and um, he was released the same day? And they did the right thing. They called the cops, but they released the guy the same day or the next day. You know, back in the day, you could have gone to that guy from the neighborhood and said, you know, I, I, I need help. This happened. And that would have never stood. That would have never stood. That would have been. It would have been dealt with. In it, would have been, yeah. it would have been dealt with. And I think people today just, you know, I think there was a certain element of there is nobody to go to if the cops don't don't help. Mm-hmm. Right? Or if the cops can't do it. And that's really not the case. They could have went to the neighborhood guys and the neighborhood right. guys would have kept that you know downhill uh i know that's happened in a lot of the the neighborhoods in chicago that used to be mostly italian and they were perfect places to live Mm -hmm. and then after the feds moved in it all went to shit yeah you know and you know chicago yeah is mostly you know it's a racially uh, segregated city and stuff uh certain neighborhoods if you're one you don't want to be in 
but the Italian neighborhoods, you know, we, we always had the feast, you know, uh, we yeah, always had had the block parties and stuff that were thrown oh, by yeah. the guys. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to be right. The feds have to be on these payrolls of these people. Yeah, and it's sad because it's all gone. Because I'm not sure about Chicago, but New York City is very, very. It's not segregated into different neighborhoods like Irish or Jewish or well, Jewish still. But um, you know, you you may have like Chinese or Indian or Middle Eastern and Hasidic Jewish neighborhoods, but like the Italian, Irish, um, Hispanic, uh, black neighborhoods, it's all kind of intertwined now. It's not the same. You know, it's I, I work I work in Harlem, and Harlem is totally mixed i mean you know it is it is white hispanic uh black it's it's not the way it was so there's no protection of the of the neighborhood anymore you know when i was a kid my i remember going to coney island to watch a hockey game for my high school and my mother would tell me you know don't stray outside too far out of coney island right and and it would be the same thing if a kid from you know another ethnicity came to bensonhurst they would say you know don't don't go here don't go you know so on and so forth because you you protected that you know, the, you protected the neighborhood from the strangers that were coming in, and that's just gone now. I mean, it's nice, don't get me wrong, but listen, I hear stories of women being sexually harassed. I hear stories of, uh, tremendous stories of uh, uh, pedophilia or, you know, and uh, cops with all these democratic policies that are put into play. It's, it's, not, it's not dealt with fiercely. So if, you know, these people know they can get away with it, they get away with it. Where back in right. the day, back in the day, you know, I, you know, it'd be, it'd be handled like that. Matter of fact, it wouldn't even happen because they knew it would be handled by the guys in the neighborhood, you know? So that's mm -hmm. where the, the being an advocate for policing yourself was probably better. Because listen, uh, these guys know the neighborhood. They're in the neighborhood. They know the people there. So police, you know, obviously are trying to do whatever they can do. But there's nothing like somebody that knows what's going on to stop stuff immediately or even before it starts. Listen, you, you guys will agree with me 100%. Um, um, men from the beginning of time, their job was to protect their community, their village, and the girls and the children, the women and the children. And now you take that out of the neighborhood and all you have is the police force. And if the police force can't do it, then, then what happens? Right. It just falls to shit, which we see happening in the inner cities. But um, if you guys want to talk about um, some uh, mafia stuff, I got some really good stories that come straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, like um, when I interviewed, I had Larry Mazza on like four or five different times. And what's great about Larry is he he wasn't inducted into the mafia like normal. Like normally, just like any other inner city kids, there were street gangs. Like so in Bensonhurst, there were the Bath Avenue boys, the 20th Avenue boys. In downtown Brooklyn, there was the, you know, the Garfield boys. And these were kids from the neighborhood. And they were like, it was like, it was like, you know, breeding ground for the, for the mafia. These were rough kids. And that's not what happened with him. You know, he's been on Vlad TV and Value Tame, and he, tell, he tells the story, but it's, it's fascinating. He came from a, a very, very, you know, strict, regular, blue-collar family. His parents were not involved. They were not crooked or anything like that. And he got a job after school. He worked for a supermarket. Uh, it was called Dan's Supermarket. And he was 17 years old. Now the guy is like, he's in his late 60s. He was 17 years old, and he would deliver groceries, Right. Uh, to, you know, the housewives that needed groceries in the neighborhood and so on and so forth. And this one woman, her name was Linda, would continuously ask for Larry. Every time she made, a, every time she made an order from Danza, she would continuously ask for Larry. So he used to send Larry. And he was 17 years old, and this woman was probably in her early 30s, and she was very attractive. And she, anyway, they started having an affair, Right. 17 years old, he started sleeping with this, this, this beautiful, you know, girl in her early 30s. And he knew she was married, right? But how are you going to stop a 17-year-old? <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> yeah, right? it's just, so um, so he, she says to him, I want you to meet my husband. And he's like, what are you, crazy? Like, you know, and, she, and, she goes, and, and she's like, no, 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 really. I want you to meet him. You know, we don't have to say anything. You know, he 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 is a very uh, powerful man, and he could probably help you out with your future. And he was going to actually be a fireman. He was gonna, he was on the list to take the fireman's test. So he goes okay. So he meets her there at the house, and he pulls up, and he's got this Cadillac on with his sunglasses. And this we're talking like probably the late seventies, you know. And he, as soon as he sees the guy walking up to the house, he knows all right. This is not your regular regular Joe Schmo. You can see right. So the guy that walks in is Greg Scarpa. 
So <laughs> Greg, Greg Scarpo is a, like one of the most famous ruthless gangsters in New York City, and his nickname was his nickname was the Grim Reaper. <laughs> now, now, most guys' nicknames are like, you know, Tommy Wheels and Joey Donuts. Knuckles or something. Yeah, this guy is the Grim Reaper. If he, and he lived up to that fucking name till the day he died, right? So she introduces him to him and he goes, yeah, you know, I have a spot, you know, where he could work. And he, he went to work for him legitimately, but then the place closed down. And then and after the place closed down, he said, you know, come to the, my club. I have more work for you to do. And he was still sleeping with his wife 10 years after meeting him. Oh my God. But here's the thing. He had, he had that wife. He had a wife in Jersey. He had another wife in Las Vegas. And then he had a girl that would come to the club. He had a girlfriend that would come to the club. So Larry feels that he thinks he, he wasn't a stupid man. He knew, but it was just like he accepted it because it was like, keep this woman occupied because I have too much <laughs> on my plate. And, and they actually had a conversation when it started. And by this point, you know, Larry was kind of in deep. He wasn't a made man yet. And Larry was kind of in deep. And, you know, he always said, if, if Greg was ever going to ask me, I'm going to just deny, 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 deny. So Greg uh, finally says, you know, I know what's going on between you and Linda. And Larry goes, uh, he goes, you know, Greg, I, you're not a stupid guy. I figured you would know. He goes, look, keep it between us because supposedly this is one of the rules. We could both be whacked if, if this gets out. Now you're, now you're talking like the early 80s, right, when it was right. really powerful. And one of the rules was no messing around with anybody's wife. He goes, just has to keep it between us, right? Well, that's the way it used to be in clubs, too. But, oh, really? You know, okay, yeah. Yeah, it used to be that way in clubs, and hopefully it still is with a lot of them. Uh, but we've heard stories of that kind of stuff happening as well. Do you believe drugs like uh, the old guys uh, warned them would be the downfall? I think it was just too greedy. I think I think there was just too much money to be made, and I think I think they turned a blind eye. Another example of Greg Scarpa. Greg Scarpa, when he was, he was not a made man, he was a made man, but he wasn't a captain right away. Now, His can you explain it right away? How do you get made? And, and what okay, so yeah. what happens is you, you start off as an associate or in biker terms, a hang around, right? You know, um, and, you know, you're doing, you're part of, you know, you're hanging around. And what happens is after you put in quote unquote work, um, when you put in work at, at back then, it was, you know, uh, killing somebody at, at the behest of your superiors, right? And, or if you or if you're a big earner. See, Larry was, Larry was very smart, so he was, he was really good at, like, bookmaking and loan sharking and so on and so forth. He was not a stupid guy. He was always able to make, make good money. So you know what happens is you have to have another member vouch for you and present you. But what they, they refer to it as the books have to be opened. So the books have to, you know, the, if the books are closed, that's just, you know, language for we're not making anybody anytime soon. And supposedly they opened up the books in the 1970s and there were guys waiting for 20 years to get made because they had the books closed. And then, um, so what had happened, this was right in the middle of the war when Larry got made, but what happens is somebody has to uh, introduce you and, and say, look, I think this guy would be a good member. And they have to vouch for you. They have to vouch for you, right. And what happens is uh, it, goes, it goes all the way up the ladder to all the captains, consigliere, everybody has to agree to it and so on and so forth. And so, if, if they agree to it, then what they do is they, they take you in a car and they take you, could be anywhere, it could be somebody's house, it could be a hotel, it could be a wedding, it could be anywhere where they're able to have a secret spot. And then the person walks in, or they might be, they might be making two or three people at the same time. You know, it all depends. And there's usually what is going to be your captain, um, other captains, Maybe uh, an underboss, maybe the boss himself, maybe the consigliere, but act, one of the high-ranking members have to be there. And then on the table, there is usually a gun, a knife, an ashtray, a picture of a saint, and some kind of uh, hypodermic needle, right? And so, you know, they, they ask you, the first thing is ask you is, you know, do you know why you're here? And you're supposed to say, no, I don't know why you're here. I don't know why they have to say that, but supposedly <laughs> that's why they have, to, they have to say, I don't Tradition, know why I'm here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then they've, they told you, you know, we've chosen you to be part of the family and what they do is they 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 prick your finger they put the blood on the saint and then they light the saint on fire in the ashtray and they say things to the things to the uh things like um 
if you uh, if you break one of the rules, if you go against the family, if you you know so on and so forth, may your body burn in hell like this saint is burning in the ashtray. And then supposedly they all kind of lock arms, and it's supposed to signify that they're all one. And you know, not all the rules are explained, but all the major rules are explained. That this family comes before anything in your life. Period. End of story. Before your own family. If your mother is on the deathbed and we call you, you have to be here. The other, the other rule is no messing around with uh, other men's wives. And then other, you know, other rules, you know, kind of come into play, you know, later on, so on and so forth. And then from there, you're a, you're a, you're a made member. But from what I understand, that is the only ceremony when you become captain or consular. You, you just kind of, you know, Move promoted. Up. Yeah, you yeah. just kind of promoted. So what was funny was when Larry had gotten made. That's when Greg. Greg had so much power in the Colombo crime family without being a captain that they made him a captain right then and there because he demanded that Larry and another guy, Larry's partner, his name was Jimmy, be with him and him only. Like, he was not letting those two guys go. But they did it right in the middle of the war. And so in the middle of the war, word got all the way up to... uh, Carmine Persico, who was in prison and he was the boss of the Colombo crime family at the time, that these two guys were really putting in work. They were basically hunting guys down from the other faction and shooting them down and killing them and so on and so forth. So that, you know, they basically said, you know, make them immediately. So they, they made them because Greg Scarpa's crew was Carmine Persico's muscle in the street during the war. Like those guys were the guys that were out there killing. And Larry was one of them. And, um, the reason, uh, so then, then basically what happens is, you know, you, you, know uh, you, you can become a captain, and then there is obviously the underboss, the consigliere, and, and the boss himself. Uh, but, you know, I've heard things of like, you know, I've heard this really getting watered down now. I've heard things like guys getting made in, in prison without the ceremony. I've heard guys getting made over the phone without the ceremony. I've heard that's how weakened it's got. And these are, this is all hearsay. These are all rumors. And it's kind of like, what, you know, you can equate that to uh, a lot of clubs Patching now. It. Yeah, it's like patching in kind of. Yeah, I've heard, sure. I've heard, which is kind of sad. Red Horse 1%er to the members only club. You're awesome, man. Appreciate the support there. Uh, that really does rock, man. Uh, go ahead, uh, John. No, but um, I mean, I guess, you know, out of all the research I've done and people I've interviewed, one of the reasons why I liked Greg, Greg Scarpa is my favorite, if you will, is because he was a gangster's gangster. Like he was born in Brooklyn in like the 1920s and he went all the way back to Joe Profacci. Joe Profacci was the boss of the Columbus before Joe Colombo and then stayed, you know, stayed with throughout the family and then all the way up until, you know, Carmine Persico. But this guy was a ruthless killer. He was actually, the story goes, I think the movie Mississippi Burning was actually revolves around him is that during the 1960s, Greg Scarpa was asked by the FBI to help him find um, members of the Ku Klux Klan that that killed these three civil rights activists, because they couldn't find who out who did it. You know, back then it was if you didn't, there was no DNA, there was no surveillance. If you didn't have an eyewitness, you didn't have anything. Right. So supposedly they he was working together with them, which nobody knew. He was kind of given some kind of uh, he was giving some kind of you know FBI evidence, but they used him and. Supposedly he went down to, you know, Mississippi where he was needed. I think it was Mississippi with another guy and he kidnapped members of the Ku Klux Klan and tortured them. Supposedly, supposedly it was like tortured them to the point where it was unspeakable things that he's done to these guys to make them squeal. And he actually found where the three bodies were were buried and so on and so forth. And then they used them a second time to find somebody else. The word it was that he was given carte blanche, which is why he got the nickname Grim Reaper, because if he killed you, he would just leave you in the middle of the street. And he didn't give a shit because he had this thing in that, you know, the FBI was not going to touch him. The feds were not going to touch him. He was, he was giving them information. He helped them during the 19, 1960s. And this guy would literally... And he even had like a pattern where he would kill you, right? He would... He would... Uh, have a handkerchief, and he was talking. If he brought you to the, if you brought you to the uh, the club, the, his guys knew that what was going to happen. But this person, you know, obviously was questioning whether it happened, and he would like uh, pretend like he would blow his nose, right? So he would go into his pocket, and the guy would get nervous, and he would blow his nose, and then the guy would calm down because he would think it was a gun, and then he would put the handkerchief back, and then he would take the gun out and shoot him in the head, <laughs> and then they would either roll him up into the rug and leave him in the street, and so so on and so forth. But Isn't that the, funny though that the feds used him 
yeah. in that case. And they also used, I think it was Giacana. Yes. Uh, for, for Castro. For Cuba, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. how do you think they... Yeah, not to cut you off, Heather. Sorry. How do you think they, uh, they uh, on the inside, uh, rationalized basically snitching or working with the feds while still doing their thing? Was it just nobody was going to confront them because they would kill them? Or was there well, ever like, that, hey, bro? That happened several times that there yeah. were rumors. And then, you know, I don't remember the guy's name. You'd have to look it up. I'm not sure. But that, that had happened where people said Greg Scarpa was a rat. And he goes, you know, where's your proof? And if the guy said yes or no, it didn't matter. He was going to kill him anyway. <laughs> so he, here's, here's, the, here's the best part. Of here's the best part of Greg Scarpa's story. What had happened was Persico, uh, Carmine Persico was the head of the uh, Colombo crime family. He went to prison and he put in acting boss this guy named Vic Arena. I think they called him Little Vic, Vic Arena. And Vic decided that he didn't want to be acting boss, he wanted to be the boss. So he was, and from what I understand, even like Gotti back in, back then in the late eighties, early nineties, got in his ear and was like, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll back you and so on and so forth, whatever. So Vickerian decided he wanted to take over the whole thing. And, uh, so then it, it divided into two factions, whoever's loyal to Vic and whoever was loyal to Carmine Persico. So Greg Scarpa was, you know, an old school gangster. Carmine Persico was the boss. That's it. You know, even though he had. Uh, dealings with Vic Arena and they would talk and so on and so forth. Like I remember there was Larry told me a story about how he met with Vic and Vic said, you know, what, what it would happen, you know, if, if I become the boss and he was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I don't know who I'm going to go with, you know, I don't know, but you know, but he knew in his heart of hearts that he was going to stay, stick with Persico. So they, they, they went to war. I think it was like, I don't remember how long, but it was, it was, it was, it was some period of time. And I was living in Bensonhurst at the time. And, um, but here's the thing. Here's the best part about Greg Scarpa. He used to take aspirin every day. Every day after work, he would go to the bar and he would drink. And he would always take aspirin every day because he didn't want to get a headache. So he didn't take aspirin when he got a headache. He took aspirin to prevent the headache every day since his 20s. But he developed bad bleeding ulcers in his stomach. And he had to get rushed to the hospital. And he needed a blood transfusion. But the thing was, he didn't trust anybody. He didn't trust the hospital for, for giving him blood. And this was right during the time of the AIDS epidemic. So he said everybody in his crew, family, anybody, he wanted everybody tested to see if he had a match. And there was this one guy named Paulie. I don't remember his last name, but he had a match. And he was the same match as, as, uh, as Greg Scarpa. So they decided to do the transfusion from him. And anyway, it turns out the guy was HIV, HIV positive. Now, oh, uh, yeah. So I don't know how, you know, some people say he was a bodybuilder and he shared needles and being in the bodybuilding world. That's hard to, for me to believe. Some people say he was really handsome and he was with a lot of women that that could probably be it and so on and so forth. But the guy gets the guy gets HIV. And at first he tells everybody, you know, he's just battling cancer. But then later on, it comes out. He has, he has HIV and it turns into full blown AIDS. While he he's released from he's released from fucking uh the hospital while he has a, a HIV then turns into full-blown AIDS he's still hunting guys on the street killing during the me. war and killing them he killed one guy hanging Christmas lights right he was still so the the best story was he, he was they, they would actually they would go to the mattresses right that's term for they would hide out because if you're in a war, you can't just go home, right? Except Greg didn't give a fuck. He would go home. Everybody else was hiding in Long Island, you know, uh, Staten Island, Jersey. Greg would go home. He didn't give a shit, right? <laughs> so it, it was, uh, there was four guys in the car, and they would dress up like cops. They would, but like, like, like undercover cops. They have the baseball hats on, sunglasses. They would put coffee cups in, and they would have like a fake siren. And they were, they were looking for this one guy named Nicky Black. And... Uh, Scarpa had a rifle and Larry Mazur was in the backseat and he had a, a shotgun. And he, they pulled behind this guy, Nicky Black. He had a cab stand in, in Brooklyn, in Bensonhurst. And he, I, it had to be that he thought it was the cops because he pulled over, right? Now, and, is that Nicky Black you're talking about that happened with... Uh, Donnie, Donnie Brasco? No, two different yeah, people. Yeah, no. Yeah, okay. Two different people. So, as, so, so he pulls over... And this guy was supposed to be the consigliere of Vic Arena if Vic were to be the boss. So this, this killing like, sent shockwaves through 
the arena faction, right? So they pull up and uh, uh, Greg is now kind of like in his 60s and he's got AIDS and he, instead of hitting, uh, he hits, instead of hitting the safety, he, re- he hits the, the cartridge release and all the bullets fall out. So Larry says to the driver, move up, move up, move up. And he hangs out the window and he sticks the shotgun into the driver's side of Nikki Black. And he just fucking blows his head off right there in broad daylight, right in front of the cab stand. And they just keep going. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. Do you think, uh, actually, John Gotti, you think he was respected among the guys or they respected uh, Sammy more? Well, you know, it depends on who you ask. I was on John John A. Light's show, and John A. Light was uh, around when John uh, Gotti and Sammy was there, but he was more so with John Gotti Jr. But he says that the guys really liked Sammy. He says that Sammy was able to, he treated the guys, you know, like, like people and so on and so forth, where John had more of a aura about he was better than everybody. He says people... Uh, uh, respected Sammy much more, but I I don't know about that. I know I do know because I interviewed Rita. I do know Vinny the Chin did not because that killing of Paul Castellano was not sanctioned by the commission, and John and Sammy just pulled it off themselves because they were going to get killed because they were dealing drugs and Paul Castellano didn't like any drug dealing in his organization, so they were going to get killed. So they hit him beforehand, and and. Um, uh, Vinny the Chin tried killing John twice. He tried blowing up his car, and it, he blew up. He killed uh, one of his guys. I forgot the guy's name. I think he tried shooting him another time, but he, they couldn't get to him because he was uh, surrounded by so many guys. And even Carmine Persico didn't like the idea that um, that John did that because that's a big no-no. You're not supposed to kill a captain or a boss. That that was that's number. One. You can't even put your hands on a made member. Like there's a story right again. It, it was right in my neighbor. There's a story of. Uh, a kid uh, who's Beth Avenue crew. Um, I, Jimmy Calandra tells a story. He has a podcast, and um, he tells a story about one of his friends that had to got into an argument with. Oh God, I can't remember his name. Uh, Spiro, Anthony Spiro, Anthony Spiro. I think it's Spiro. And he was a, he was a, uh, a captain of the Mananos, and he got into an argument, and the kid pushed him. And uh, the guy uh, Spiro just turned around and walked away, and the kid knew he was dead because he just put his hands on him, and he can't. And they, they killed him right after, not, not soon after. The kid went into hiding, but they actually used his friends. Uh, Jimmy Calandra was in prison at the time, but they used the other guys that he was friends with that he grew up with. So they let him in and they shot him, I think, like eight or nine times just because they shot yeah. him, you know. But this was wow. back in the day when, you know, you know. They, Before the ring doorbells and there's red light cameras and the ATM cameras and every camera that exists known yeah, to humankind. Yeah. yeah. So here's, here's, here's even the best part about Greg Scarborough. Greg Scarpa is got full blown AIDS. It's fucking nineteen ninety three, I think. And his son has a beef with the one a couple of guys from the Lucchese's. And at this point he was a captain, but he's kinda like old and fucking got AIDS and he's a mess. And uh his his, his son has a beef over a drug thing. And he fucking you know, he, he takes his uh, his piece and and they and they're going after and he's like him and his son, and he's like 64 years old at this point. And Jeez. he got barely, and he gets into a shootout with these young kids. And the guy, he gets, and Scarpa gets shot in the eye, right? And fucking um, the cops come, and he's like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything is cool. He t- takes himself to the hospital. Of course, he didn't, you know, kept his mouth shut. And his last year before he died, because he died in 94, I want to say this was two, one or two years before he actually died of AIDS in prison. He had fucking one eye. He got an eye shot out. And you actually see him with fucking one eye. This guy was a gangster fucking killer from the moment he was born to the moment he died. That was hmm. it. You know, AIDS. Devil's prison. henchman, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, yeah. and supposedly, Larry turned state's evidence not knowing that he was, um, he was that this guy was, uh, you know, giving information over to the feds. Um, and then when Larry was, supposedly, from what I understand, when Larry was... Uh, arrested you know he was going to do he was going to do life because he killed i think he killed four people and mm. um during, uh and um they 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 played him the tapes and whatnot and he was like well fuck i gave loyalty to this guy and you know he he's ratting on this one and ratting on that one fuck it 
you know. Right. It wound up doing 12 years, and, and, the, and the, uh, he got out, you know. And the, guy, guy, the guy's doing fine now. He's actually doing really good. He owns a gym. He has a talk show on, um, I forgot what streaming service. Uh, you know, he does uh, podcast. Uh, oh, he was, actually, he was actually a consultant on the movie The Irishman. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah That's awesome. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a lot of really crazy stories, to, you know, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, uh, about these guys. But today, today it's a shell of itself. It's not even like, like, the acting boss of the Colombo crime family was this guy, Andy Russo, and he died last year. And I don't, I don't think rumor has it that, that nobody was, was, um, was given the title as, as boss since then. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's, it's, you know, this is uh, John from Serious and Silliness. If you want to hear a, a lot more about his stories and his interviews, uh, you guys got to go check him out here on YouTube. It's a badass uh, video podcast, great interviews. And like you said, uh, who was it just said? Uh, Rhino, I love history. This episode was a treat. Uh, we're glad that everybody uh, tuned in for John. I'm telling you, John, this is what they want to hear. This is what yeah. I'm going to be doing. I'm actually going to be working on the five biggest rats in mafia history. Then I'm going to be working on the five most ruthless killers, the five best bosses. This is what people want to hear. This is what, gonna, what I'm going to give them. It's <laughs> I not, can it's, hear the excitement in your voice. And about- it's not <laughs> difficult for me to get. I hate to say it. It's not difficult for me to get me this to get- information because I'm from the neighborhood. You know, like um, I, I, Larry is a friend, Rita is a friend, all these other guys. You know, obviously, I can't really comment on things that go on right now. But as far as, you know, the 1990s, early 2000s and beyond, it's going to be really easy uh, because there's plenty of podcasts and research. And like I have a lot of good connections. So it'll be it'll actually be pretty good. It'll be fun. Rock on, John Manuel. Appreciate having you on the show, man. Great interview. Again, serious and silliness. Go over there, check it out. A lot, a lot of good content going to be coming out that way. But yeah. uh, we'll John talk to you. We're going to do a podcast together. I'm going to hold you to that, John. I'm you got hold it. You to Whatever you're ready, man. <laughs> I got your number. We'll do it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, definitely. Guys, man. I love thank it. you. Thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, Rock take out, care. Buddy. <laughs> that is awesome, man. I that love John, awesome. man. John's awesome people right there, Marco. If you can Those get a show true gangsters, man. with them. Yeah, they they used to be true gangsters, but now it's more of the 2023s taking over. Yeah. A lot of the older guys are gone. I remember in uh, our neighborhood, uh, our car, uh, Tony Accardo was a freaking god. Uh, you just don't see men like that anymore, and that can uh, translate over to the MC scene as well. I was just going to say it's very, very similar to what is happening. You know, it's always, it's always, you know, obviously you can see this gray in my beard at this point. Uh, I'm obviously a little older. I'm one of the guys that have, has been around for a while, so I don't know if it's the man back in the day. It used to be so much better because X, Y, and Z, or you know, I, I want to feel like I, I'm changing with the times and and all the new stuff that's coming in, including. What we talked about earlier, social media and all that other stuff. So to me, it's um, you know, it is a, it's really uh sort of weird to watch the you know them going together uh, with the with what's happening there and what's happening in the MC world. But you know what, it doesn't doesn't mean that uh, it's not right or it's not the way it's supposed to be going. It's just how it is in 2023. So uh, I know right. we lost uh, we lost your video there, Hollywood. So I didn't know if you were still around, but. No, I, it lost. I don't know what happened and the stuff like that. I can't wait to get that new computer in. Uh, yeah tomorrow but uh anyway we appreciate having everybody on hopefully we answered all your questions because that's the last time i'm gonna do it uh exhausting it is man with all that crap when you have a lot more uh interesting stuff that uh you can talk about uh so any final thoughts uh marco yeah, no, just like you said, man, uh, so we're going to move forward and, and do whatever and, and go back to doing, you know, like I said on my channel for, you know, for those of you that aren't, it's Marco's Motorcycle Nation. I'll be honest and have integrity. And I, I would love to actually, I know we did phone calls uh, last week. I know I've been watching the chat a little bit and there's somebody in the chat that keeps referring to uh, to something that I would love to start the phone calls back uh, because I did a piece. Um, uh, that I, What's that? We'll do it next week. I love that. I would love that. I would love, uh, I forget the guy's name, who keeps referencing a piece that I did on my channel that I literally leave up 
uh, that I realized called uh, We Need More Whistleblowers. He loves uh, saying that whistleblowing is snitching where I actually go into the video saying the difference between the two. I'd love to talk to that guy on because he just says stuff in here, this uh, this guy, and uh, and I'd love to actually be able to debate him one-on-one to, to get his idea on what I'm talking about because he's missing the point of the video, which is why I keep it up on my website, uh, on my YouTube channel if you want to check it out. Uh, you know, it's why I haven't taken it down because it's uh, something that uh, that I think needs to be debated. So I would love to debate that person uh, live. So if you bring that number back, I would love for him to give us a call. I think his name is Steve. You might know him. He's been in there a lot. So Hi. Love to, sounds yeah, good, man. We'll love that. That'd be great. All right, guys. We'll catch you later. Uh, actually, this is tomorrow morning's video, so we won't have one at eight o'clock. But uh, we'll be at the. Uh, the Madhouse uh, Morning Show with China Doll, as usual. Rock on, baby. Rock on. Yeah, I'ma do shit my way. So you can go kick rocks. I'ma stack bricks up, build what I want to make. Yo, I got a lot of shit to say, so I'ma do this every day. I'll be writing things until I'm fucking buried in my grave. Six feet deep, wonder, but my body won't decay.